0: Hello, Sasha. Hi, good to see you. Thank you for joining me today. I know you're pushed for time today and I don't want to keep you too long. So if you don't mind, we'll, we'll crack straight
1: on. Happy to do so. Excuse the way I look. I've, I've been pretty ill for the last uh, six days and today's like, the first day of um, ambling around and recovery. So not not looking great, but feeling fine.
0: Um, Sasha, it's been wonderful to watch the Arise USA tour, the wonderful bromance with you and Scott McKay, the the fun that you've had with and Das and the rest of the team. Can you give us some of your personal highlights of the last two months? Because you've been on a roller coaster tour, and it is highly significant. Can you give us some of the highlights of what it's been like for you?
1: You know, uh, obviously riding with with uh, with bikers for Trump um, in Sturgis. Uh, for a few hours um, and all all the these beautiful guys um, with their big machines that was great fun Um, and just seeing the the degree of camaraderie that comes not just from being in a group of um, renegade maverick good humans uh, which are my favorite kind of humans not just that but seeing the response from the public at large to that to that groundswell of flag waving patriots you know, hair in the wind, um, you know, riding a breakneck speed, all of that is just that was a nice indicator of the fact that freedom is still uh, very much, you know, written into the culture here and it's not going to go anywhere soon. For me, the main thing is not being driving across America four times in two and a half months, um, meeting tens of thousands of people and exchanging sp- spike proteins, as I joke uh, with many people. <laughs> because I've been sick three times in two and a half months, and I never get sick in, in this world. So mm-hmm. something's down. Um, and this latest hit that's taken down Scott and the uh, U.S. Navy SEALs who travel with us, uh, and, you know, everyone's down, and this yeah. is a bad one. Um, so it seems to, to me that, you know, we do have um, sort of evil in the air. Almost certainly these nan- nanoparticulates are, are out there and are doing their thing. That notwithstanding, um, the pulse of Middle America that I've seen is alive and well, as I keep saying, and not just alive and well. It's not it's 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 picking up this 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 threshold of awakening is definitely on the up. There's no question about that in my mind. The fact that um, the biggest standing army in the world is in North America, uh, and is not going anywhere is, to me, the saving grace of humankind right now. Because if it weren't for the, I don't know, 100 million, 200 million guns in, in America, um, we would be entering into a luciferic new world order without any question of doubt. But this is the line in the sand. That's why I'm here.
0: Yeah. And with regards to Scott McKay, how, how have you got on with him? And how did that relationship blossom? Because it's been, that's been fascinating to watch as well. It's been very good.
1: Well, you know, the curious thing is I, I grew up in, a, in an African war and, you know, surrounded with, with mercenaries and, and um, soldiers and guns and um, tough men that I grew up bouncing on their knees. And that was my whole growing up, you know, and I'm comfortable, curiously enough, for somebody who's supposed to be a something like a, a, a some, some, something of an effete, you know, liberal. That's my kind of disposition. But actually, I'm really comfortable um, traveling with hard men. And um, I like I like people who stand in their flames, stand in, in their truth. Scott McKay is remarkable in that. Mm-hmm. Um, I've watched him, I think, more closely than he's watched me. You see, he'd been told, stay away from me, that I'm a Vatican agent, the usual shit. And he'd heard this from a lot of the more scurrilous, let's say the less the less intellectually challenged uh, members of his own network, some of them had reached out and, and warned him against getting involved with me. So he was on on guard in an intelligent way. He'd interviewed me before and we'd got on famously, but he was guarded. And when we did meet, um, I'm observing him very closely. He's mm-hmm. observing me very closely because if you look at the Scott McKay archetype, a gun-toting you know, tomahawk-wielding, angry white man uh, with a militia, by best accounts, coast-to-coast, the Patriot Street Fighter Network, and believe you me, it is huge. When I say huge, I mean, you know, 20 million strong. So I'm looking at him going, if he is a controlled um, figure, icon, this is genius, this is genius, this is how, the globalists would, would work in a middle America to undo the Patriot movement. This is genius. So I'm going interested to meet him because I want to see for myself. He, on the other hand, is also looking at me going, this son of a bitch, you know, may have been set up by the crown, by the Vatican, by the CIA to, you know, come in and disrupt the truth movement in, in middle America. So we're both coming in a very guarded but healthy space to each other. And I'll tell you, you know, we just recognized almost instantly that when you exchange the fire in the eyes and you you get beyond the suppositions or the speculations or the conjecture and you just get into the being human and you exchange that fire and you allow your gut instinct or intelligence through the readings you know who you're dealing with you're with a brother and so it was just love just a lot of love and then observing the way he treats people around him with such Unbearable kindness. I mean, he's tough as hell. Don't get me wrong. You do not fuck with Scott McKay. Do not fuck with him But he's a kind kind man might, um, on the same token don't fuck with me, you know, but I'm a kind man So I'm actually surrounded by a lot of kindness for two and a half months I've had a lot of tough guys with guns who are incredibly kind and Considerate and philosophical talking metaphysics talking about Christ consciousness really caring and feeling What other people feel. And that's testified by looking at the way the bus, the tour buses roll up. We spend five, six, seven hours sometimes standing in the cold, talking to people outside. We're not sitting inside um, buses and we're not, you know, dashing back to the hotel. So um, Scott is always the last man standing. I tend to leave before he does. Um, Most of the People that come to gigs are coming to see him. I have a very considerable following that come to see me. Of course, I can normally get through all of my autographs and things within two two hours. Um, but he's normally standing because he wants to really converse and talk and hear and feel and relate and exchange. That's the, that's the measure of the man. What can I say? It's an absolute delight to be with him. And Lee Dundas, the firebrand lead state prosecuting attorney who happens to be a good friend of mine as well. Um, And just the sheer lucidity of truth that she brings uh, to the stage, to the table, is formidable, that formidable intelligence. But we've had, you know, Christian Northrup and David Avocado-Wolf and Dr. Eric Nepute, you know, a great many, uh, Renette Senem. all of these amazing icons in America joining us on stage. They're all variously friends. It's just been an amazing experience in, in terms of consolidating that camaraderie.
0: Yeah. And what do you think about this kind of tour type approach, this upbeat, high energy tour versus the protests that you might see in, in London? These are different ways to get messages out there, different ways to to show that you're standing up to be counted. What's your, what What do you think about the, the differences between those two approaches?
1: So I respect every human being that uh, opens their front door and walks out um, onto the street. Um, but I've said at the same time that protests are factored into the Babylonian business model. Mm -hmm. I'll say it again. Protests are factored in to the, so are petitions, okay? Yeah. That's all control game. But a speaking tour, when you soapbox, when you jump up and you stick your flag in the ground and you speak your truth and you bring your people to congregate and you speak unmolested and uninterrupted, Whether it's for 20 minutes or four hours, that for me is where you really start to tamper with the fabric of the fucked up social ecology. And that's what's important about the speaking tour for me. That's why I chose to do it. I designed the Arise US Resurrection one, the one that the the nameless wonder is now um, running around with. And I, I swung across to this one. Uh, after Lee Dundas, myself, and Scott McKay were so disgusted by the behaviour of the erstwhile uh, 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 team leader. So, but but the point I'm making is that standing on soapboxes and speaking truth to power, um, and allowing people to to congregate there—that to me is a very necessary formula right now to break this impasse of organised protests and organised yeah. petitions. Yeah.
0: And, and how important do you feel the USA is as a a country to the world right now in terms of leading us out of this? I mean, obviously th- th- there is a a, a groundswell of uh, you know patriotism there. You've got the Second Amendment. You've got the standing army there. They're, they're, they sound like they're ready to go, but they've been relatively quiet in the grand scheme of things. They, ha- they haven't stood up and they haven't really protested. This is probably the biggest thing of significance that's actually happened in quite some time. Uh, how important do you feel America
1: is? Well, it's not just important, it's, it's, um, it's seminal. It's the, it's the, it, it is the vital element with if america falls the world falls that's absolutely certain that's why i came here i would never have crossed four continents to come here um and and do this insane jamboree this is costing me tens of thousands of dollars i don't make money i don't solicit money i don't have you know donations coming to me so i i i am doing this because i believe it is absolutely essential at this time if america falls the world falls um I you're not seeing protests in America in the way that you're seeing them in other parts of the world and that's because America's got their guns. And ultimately, you don't need to see them protesting on the streets. Uh, just try to take their guns from them. Good luck. Yeah, really good. Yeah. Luck with that good luck with that one.
0: Yeah. And, and with regards to the sort of crowd sizes, what would you say the average? I mean, I'd imagine it'd be quite different from state to state, as you guys have been traveling through, what would you say a sort of average gig would be in terms of crowd size?
1: Um, not, that, not vast, um, there's 700, 2000, uh, yeah. you know, we've had, I think, I think tomorrow, um, if, if tomorrow's Monday, forgive me, I don't know if tomorrow's Monday, if tomorrow is Monday, I've, I've lost count, I've been in my sick bed, like I said, but um, if tomorrow's Monday, then that's gonna be thousands. Almost certainly. And it could be, I don't know, it could be five, 6,000. I don't know. But that's a, a, st- for a baseball uh, stadium. Okay. And, and the, uh, the point is this. The, the point is this. Forgive me. We, we're dropping our venues and dates on a shoestring, um, couple of days notice, and then people congregate. We're not doing two, three weeks, uh, let alone three months, marketing and promotion of a venue. We're literally getting a venue, which is a field or a farmer's whatever, and we've got a trailer that Lee Dundas takes in and sets up uh, on the day and we jump on the stage and then we jump off and we have, you know, three, four, five hundred people, seven hundred people up to two thousand people. So you, you tell me that to me is remarkable stuff, considering there is no marketing, no promotion. It's just viral networking. Now, what we do know by now, without any doubt, is that if we organized a tour in, in, in the normal way and had um, three weeks or four weeks to promote each venue, with radio spots and the rest of it, uh, it would be tens, tens of thousands. There is no doubt in my mind about that.
0: Yeah. And with regards to, your, your home is in Bali, uh, the Americans seem to have taken you in as one of their own after this tour. Um, what's the situation in Bali with regards to the Covid restrictions? Do you, are you going to be heading back there soon or what's, this, what's the story there?
1: Not, not much chance of me heading back to my home. I've lived there for 17 years, as, as you know. I've got a very big operation out there. Um, but no, I've lost, I've lost uh, that for the moment. Um, no chance of me um, going back. So I'm not sure. I'm, I'm back to, to war-child uh, footing, which is how I grew up, um, and learning the, the art of detachment. Uh, it doesn't worry me too much. I'm, I'm desperately concerned about my staff uh in bali and i'm doing what i can to secure them but they're being rounded up like scared cattle and forced back set vaccinated Terrible. with a, with a lethal and, cocktail.
0: Ge- and, and genuinely forcing them genuinely forcing them
1: that's that's uh that's what mandatory is uh, especially when you've got military uh, and guns uh, doing it Terrible. So, yes unfortunately foreigners and expatriates are also being rounded up uh, on the streets and frog march to the airport and deported if they don't wear a, a pantyhose on, on their face. It's, it's, it's turned into you know, some Orwellian uh, diktat. Um, and who would have thought you know, the, the jewel in the crown of Southeast Asia, the most beautiful island out of 17,600 islands of Indonesia and um, or the most enlightened, not the most beautiful by a long chalk, but who would have thought uh, that they would um, that they would succeed in uh, throwing an Orwellian dragnet over Bali and get away with it, these sons of bitches. And yet, that's exactly what they're doing. I've got friends in very high places at ministerial level and, of course, royalty, um, and uh, even they are advising stay away until this evil cloud has passed. Whether it's three weeks, three months, or three years, I don't know yet. I'll have to see.
0: Sasha, you've said, and it's given a lot of people hope that we we've already won this thing, and it's just a matter of it playing out. Sure. To to a lot of people just now, Sasha, it's not feeling like that, and we're very we're very hopeful. People have been holding the line, but you know, we 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 want the best outcome here, but it's not feeling like it for a lot of people out there. When you speak, you speak with great confidence that we've already won. Can you maybe give us a insight into what makes you think that and you know, how it might play out from here and, and, and any way that you could shine a light on that would be valuable to us? No problem.
1: So it comes down to this. Uh, if you have uh, the inner lens will be clear For you to be able to see the truth of an outcome provided you're standing in absolute honor or pure truth in a given venue or situation and in this case um the people who don't feel too comfortable about the now um, and 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 don't feel comforted by my words i I, they need to reflect on what part they're playing what role are they playing in this twilight zone in this pantomime what role are they playing? To what extent are they the uh, the ones permission, permitting and enabling the status quo? So the person that you've described is that individual paying their taxes. I guarantee you they still are. I guarantee you they still are mm-hmm. paying coin to Caesar while Caesar is destroying them. And you see, that's the break point. And until that individual learns the art of Pure honor, which is to stand in the flame and, if necessary, hurt and burn. But you've got to do that in order to to, to fashion the inner lens where you can see the outcome. I see the outcome because I'm that far gone in my irreverence for imposed authority, which I call out for what it is. Saturnian, Mm -hmm. Luciferic, nonsense. That's what it is and again i'm blessed because i've spoken to enough presidents prime ministers and kings and queens and said this to them and heard them understand and cogitate good leaders know the truth that government is a satanic construct that it's a babylonian construct that it was only ever a a psychological uh, operation against living souls in order to sequester the gold in order to steal the land in order to fictionalize the living and turn them into the dead Uh, Mm -hmm. and that's all uh, you know in service of baphomet or moloch Mm -hmm. so good leadership recognize that including good leadership in the catholic church let me just say including good leadership in freemasons just so you know spent a few hours the other day with a 32nd degree a free a, a freemason talking this stuff a few days ago but the point i'm saying is that good humans be they presidents or be they paupers understand truth from fiction stupid people don't Stupid people, by definition, in the main, are the middlemen. And unfortunately, we have a world now that's largely constructed on the third-party intervention. So most people in the world have an irrelevant job. It's the functionary job that serves the status quo. They are the parasite. They are a doctor, or a lawyer, or a teacher, or a policeman, or a soldier. No disrespect to all of the above but you're all acting in service to something else. You have no creative control over what you're doing. Don't pretend you do. If you're a doctor, you're a goddamn serf to the pharmaceutical industries, and you know it. If you're a lawyer, you're a goddamn serf to the Bar Association, and you know it. If you're a teacher, you're a goddamn serf to the Ministry of Education and the Tavistock Institute and the Fabianists behind that, the global Marxists, and you know it. So the point I'm making is most people have chosen to continue to identify and indenture themselves into a false light narrative in their own lives. They have abnegated their own conscience and they have become the parasite. They are the technocrat. So that now we have this huge problem where most people and their livelihoods are pegged into the technocracy. And so they are perpetuating the destruction of themselves and they just haven't Many of them haven't yet woken up to it. Many have. Many have. I know because I speak to so many who do come clean with themselves, bail the job, get out of the kill grid, start planting tomatoes and radishes, you know, and give up the glamour for for, for a real life. But there's too few people who've done that. Now, that's not to say that the the movement is not going to become a very big one, a groundswell. I think it is going to be. So that's why I say success is assured. The more of this witchery and evil that assaults humanity uh, in your face that the the darker that gets um, the more texture it creates against which the light finds itself defines itself in us and then we bail and 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 transmogrify or transmute or transcend reality from this into into the other
0: yeah and and with regards to the the controllers and how they run this world. I know that you've got some uh, strong views on how they use time as a weapon, if you like. Um, they they use fear. They use money. They use debt. They they use food. They they use pharma. They, they they've got the legal system. They've got AI. What 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 do you feel with the weapons of control and fear that they have? What where do you feel they're strongest, and where do you feel they're weakest that we could chip away at, or 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 uh, defy some of their control mechanisms
1: so so the, the there's only one ultimately i mean we could talk about time we could talk about money we could talk about fear we could talk about all of the apparatus of control and supremacy and dominion and and and, and evil uh, but but actually you could pot boil it all down to one simple equation and uh, i am a i i like the, the simple equation um, and the simplest equation is uh, to do with you and the um, and your own capacity to recognize your own divinity. So the fact that that's what the third-party intervention ultimately does, which is the Catholic Church or the government or the the priest banker class historically, have come in to intercede between you and I and our. Capacity to recognize our own divinity. So that's where cult programming and dream spelling and, you know, the Hollywood machine and the mutant academia and mainstream media and now weaponized social media and a weaponized high streets and a consumerism, which is just alpha omega poisoning of the human biome and agrochemical poisoning, the air, the water and the soil and the oceans and the coral reef and the, all of that witchery and evil is all a, an orchestration which seeks to remove our relationship from ourselves because we get pulled into fight or flight when we're not living in a harmonium, in a, in, a, in, a, in a balanced ecosystem and a life that birds are flying and tweeting happily and, you know, lambs are frolicking and the sun is shining and, and the weather patterns are stable and, you know, our families emerge. You know, when, when we're constantly fighting from being poisoned systemically, mind, body, and soul—that's where dystopia emerges, and this Orwellian kind of Kafkaesque a twilight zone has emerged because of that witchery. Because we we allowed it to go unchecked for so long, and we Absolutely. continue to allow it to go unchecked. And we think that by reposting something on Facebook, that we're challenging the status quo. Dear God, we're in trouble if that's the case.
0: Yeah. And that's a good way to look at it, you know, you're boiling things down to the simplest possible way to communicate, that that, that makes total sense and actually having listened to you a lot, Sasha, you, you have got some incredibly descriptive little phrases which I only seem to associate with you, um, things like dream spell, you know. <laughs> A lovely little phrase. Do you, do you want to go into what you mean by that? Because it, it, it's very descriptive and it, it does what it says in the tin, but just to help the audience sort of understand sure. your interpretation of it, because it, dream spell comes up a lot and it's actually a big, sure. big part of the problem. So could you cover off
1: what, what you mean by dream spell? Yeah. yeah. So let's look at, let's look at one of the biggest dream spells right now that I'm um, surfing, which is patriotism. So patriotism is a dream spell, but and patriotism, excuse me, in and of itself is not a good thing, patriotism is, is, a, is, is a, a sort of defiance of this versus that, so it's already on a war footing, and that's foundationally not a good thing, uh, as, as a, a spirit in harmonium, in equilibrium, in balance, if we if we were enlightened as a species, there would be no need for flags or anthems. There'd be no need for cultural uh, proclivities. There'd be no need to define and and uh, protect and defend anything from anything or anyone. Uh, we would always be in in a state of harmonium and balance and and equilibrium and and so on. So the dream spell is is where we we've, we've allowed ourselves to be s- sort of sucked in or subsumed into um a, a cultural proclivity or to a moral uh, uh, proclivity and this is the problem so you've got a dream spell operating in the islamic world which which is got varying degrees of, of fundamentalism but you've got the same thing in mm-hmm. christianity it's all about fundamentalism the monistic religion is all about fundamentalism, ultimately. Um, and the Hindus, the same. They're still worshipping blue elephants and what have you and strange gods. And, and so they should. That's part of their, again, cultural proclivity. But it is part of a dream spell because it's crystal clear, is it not, that a Hindu goes to his deathbed, um, you know, praying to Ganesh, and will, by the grace of God, be met by Ganesh, the elephant, uh, on the other side. The Egyptians will, you know, um, be met by their gods. And the Kalahari and the Bushmen will be met by their gods. And Christians will be met by... And so it goes on. So the dream spell is, is really... I'm speaking to the fact that we need to recognize that life is a dream. And that's good. Mm -hmm. But the spell bit is the bond. So a dream spell is where the fluid quantum dream of limitless euphoria is interrupted and then bonded and a spell cast upon it. So the dream spell is not a good thing. The Mm -hmm. dream bit is a good thing. And the spell thing is not a good thing. And, and spells are what governments and monotheistic religions, what the churchish mind does. It casts spells. It's of all course. black magic, all of it. And government is all about black magic. Um, and So is the, the executive, mm-hmm. uh, legislative, and judicial branches of government are all predicated on black magic, on satanic logic, all of them. The block black capital letters that you're required to fill out in those forms when you register your soul uh, to lucifer uh, through those form fillings and you register your babies to the crown or to the state and you register your tractor to the state you're literally taking everything that is real and you're handing it over to the fiction and saying okay i'm offering it up to regis to rex to rex the king and you're signing it away so you are there's a sacrifice of innocence but you are the one who is offering yourself up for sacrifice. And that's written into the universal law um, that the, the devil, so to speak, is allowed, or the proverbial serpent in the, in, the, in the Garden of Eden, is allowed to whisper shit in your ear and is allowed to entice you and enchant you into abnegating your sovereignty and surrendering the fabric of your soul. And we do it. I spoke on stage the other night. And I got a bit animated because I got momentarily um, seized with a fucking anger about um, the, the the death of um, uh, Chris Cornell and, and um, Chester Bennington and Michael Hutchins, mm-hmm. those three beautiful singers who are my contemporaries. And, um, and the three of them murdered, found dead in hotel rooms with their necks broken hanging by a doorknob um what and why is that not one of the biggest scandalous stories in the modern world that three beautiful young men um were murdered in their hotel rooms um hung by a piece of string to a doorknob well that was tell no man that was a satanic ritual killing of three young guys who came close to the flame of evil in the rock and roll world and then were by best accounts about to, out, and tell the truth, and look what happened to them, and that's something needs needs to be spoken to. So, but that's how the dream spell is is cast. It's cast through blood, right? Blood ritualism, um, blood banks, and the harvesting of blood, and uh, cesarean section, birth, C-section birthing. All of these things are diabolical in the truest sense of the word diabolical and sorry young mothers who've chosen to have a c-section or have had one you've committed a grave crime unless you had to have it unless you absolutely had to have that in which case you're blessed and there is there are there are protections there but to willfully choose to have a child cut out of its mother's belly is so wrong you 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 assault that child's microbiome, because it can only pick up the correct microbial flora and fauna when it's moving through the plasma of the birth canal and comes into the light, and then the the vitamin D impacts it once it hits air, and then it's supposed to go to the mother's tip to get the uh, uh, the colostrum and then that triggers the microbiome and that child has an immune system. Now, you pull a baby straight out of the womb through a C-section, bundle it up and stick it in an incubator. You've just killed that child's immune system before it even breathed yeah, air. It's so awful. And the, the afflictions and the illnesses that can come and beset that generation, uh, those generations of kids who are being born to C-section. But you see, that's all part of this dream spelling of 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 mutating the relationship uh, that exists between um, mothers and children it's another form of human trafficking and then the and then the state sells that stuff and the medical um, industry and uh, sell these memes and ideas so that they become normalized they become the status quo of course growing babies in petri dishes is going to be next on the menu for sure
0: yeah, absolutely. And another, yeah, that's a, that's a very good uh, description of that. So thank you for that. Another thing that you say a lot, which I like the sound of is right action. Can you explain what you mean by that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all I mean by that is to not ever move against your conscience. So the right action is, um, number one, there has to be an action. So <laughs> unless you're a, a Buddhist monk, um, Uh, But other other than that, we have to be engaged now in action one way or or to other. So right action is is simply adhering to the remit of conscience and never um, allowing oneself to move against one's conscience. And I, I speak about right action because I'm that stupid that it took me so long to work out the algorithm for me in life. And, you know, I was... I've got a fairly good mind. I've got a terrible brain, but I've got a good mind. And, <laughs> and I because I don't understand time and I'm terrible with systems and you know I can't I don't know how to unlock a telephone I'm just terrible. But I've got a good mind. I know how to surf the quantum realms. And um, yeah you yeah sorry sorry let me let me jump back. So that that's it. So it's taken me um quarter of a century to work out that algorithm. That 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 the path of least resistance to the highest outcome, in any situation you'll find yourself in, in this world, or the next, is simply to conduct right action in the flame of pure truth. And to recognize, and to recognize the living moment. So I I add that, you know, because the time is alive. Time doesn't exist, but the now, the, the now must come alive. That describes actualization. And if we're serious about the Gospels and about, you know, all the idolatry that we're drunk on with our religious bullshit, then let's actualize and become the living flame, the living gospel. Because I know not enough about Christianity to beat the average Christian up in a theological debate. The same thing in Islam. I'm pretty expert in in Maliki, uh, Hanafi, Shafi, and the different schools of Islam. I've studied them 30 years ago and 20. 20- Five odd years ago, and I understand that. I understand. I did so much studying when I was younger. I haven't read a book since 1997. So I stopped in 97. First of August, I said, "That's it. Boom! I departed time. I er- eradicated, terminated my relationship with the clock, with time. Said I'll never speak to it again in this world. I will never, ever acknowledge and accede to TikTok tyranny of 1260 Babylonian interventionism, because I saw in a state of, I'd say, prophetic um, uh, uh, euphoria, I I went into a kind of, I guess, a prophetic state for a couple of weeks, and and, and I saw clearly what time was, that it was the root algorithm of the false light, of the luciferic, Mm -hmm. of the satanic, of the saturnian, of the anti-human, of the Mm anti-christed, and that it was 1260, tick-tock, tick-tock, tick-tock. TikTok, this relentless fucking thing in the kitchen or in the, in, the, in the hallway that is telling you that you're running out of t- all it's doing. And yeah. you think about, you compound that with hundreds of millions of clocks and now digital, um, digital um, uh, algorithms that are all calibrated into this grand deception. And that is creating a field effect. This TikTok, TikTok, we're running out of time. We're running out of air. We're running out of oxygen. We're running out of water. We're running out of gold. We're running out, yeah, it's so clever. But it's a, it's an orchestra of deception and it maintains a thrall over us. And going back to the previous question, that is what anchors the dream spell, just so you know, 1260 yeah. time.
0: And with, and as and you use this word a lot as well, uh, the word Christed how does that tie in with, with right action and dream spell or does it you know because you say it a lot and it, it makes sense but I'd like to hear what, what your interpretation of it
1: sure sure, happy to do so I don't have uh, probably long enough here to go into the the, the real metaphysics or the archaeo let's say the archaeo cosmological principles behind the Christic value or the Christed um, uh, element but let me, in simple terms, put it down to the Christic, as in the crossing, the, the cross, the vertical plane as it intersects with the horizontal plane, which is to say, which is to say time, space um, and uh, the crossing of time and space. And the, the, the center point of that is the still point. Um, you could think in terms of the head and the heart, think mm-hmm. in terms of emotionality. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh-huh. the, of, of the emotion and the thinking. Those are the two primary elements that, that make us, um, you know, real and, and allow us um, to fabricate reality and to assimilate reality. So emotionality and intellectuality, the thinking, the tick-tock of the brain and the tick-tock of the human heart, when those two elements are brought together and, 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 and intersect, they, in, in a perfect Uh, a situation they negate one another so an enlightened human being by definition and distinction is one that is not indentured into their thinking has actually gone into a still point in the brain and is now able to surf the quantum realm and that same enlightened individual is no longer caught up in emotional psycho-emotional dramatics but is able to essentially situate themselves in equilibrium, in a still point, within their emotional body. So the Christed value, the Christic value, is the one where we have, we have learned to harmonize the, 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 the polarity and the binary logic of the world that we were born into. And we have tamed those two wolves, so to speak, the sun and the moon, mm-hmm. the male and the female, And we found the still point. We found the middle path. This is the Christed element or aspect. This is the still point. That is why Christ went into the the desert for 40 days and 40 nights. It was in order to, to do combat with the devil, his own devil, in order to arrive at that still point. Again, that harmonium. And now every single human being is required, essentially, that to arrive at that state of of inner enlightenment and so the christed light emerges when you stand in the flame of pure truth and 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 in the state of pure truth you move into a so-called phase conjugation with the divine flame because pure truth there is no shadow doesn't cast a shadow you can call it central suns when the sun is directly above you look at the sun as being the harbinger your truth. When you stand directly beneath it, you cast no shadow. Mm-hmm. And we—that's the logic of um, that. That uh, this bloody telephone uh, is going off. Forgive me. Um, it's okay. I hope it's not interrupting you. No, it's okay. But so the Christed, the Christed value or the Christed element is that which emerges um, out of the still point when we find ha- harmonium and equilibrium and balance within who we are, who we be. So that is the I am, so to speak. I'm sorry for being long winded on this. It's just no, it's, it's a, a loaded question, and probably... it's it's, it's
0: a, no. I'm I'm glad we covered that off because that that's uh, it's a great description of it, and I think it it will make a lot of sense to a lot of people who are watching this. So, so thank you for that. Um, we we spoke earlier, and you touched on this as well. In the UK, we have some issues at the moment where y- you've got people saying such and such is a show and their controlled opposition. It's, it's, it's everywhere. People I really, really respect, including myself who I happen to respect has been called certain things. Um, Yourself, Sasha. You've been up there. Someone I respect, and I, I, I watch you. My gut instinct tells me you're a good man, and you're you're doing good things. Um, but I've I've heard things about you. I've heard things about Dolores Caho, another person I really respect. Of all the people that I've spoken to, I, I felt that you might be one that I could actually put this subject matter on the table. why, why is this out there? And You know, who are the types of people who come out with these things? Is there any truth in it for for some parts of this controlled opposition?
1: What's your own views on this? Uh, In in the first instance, um, there is universal law presides over everything. Um, And the only question that you need to ask in a situation like this is, what is the standing of the um, individual? who is uh, levelling, uh, bearing false witness, or is uh, speaking truth. Uh, what is the standing of the individual? Um, what is the nature of the uh, little turd in an armchair, um, <laughs> tapping, away at their, tapping away at their keyboard, uh, deriding, desecrating, and defiling the noble works of good people, like Professor Dolores Cahill happens to be a good friend and is uh, a very christed human being just so you know um, very, very much so, yeah. Enlightened human. yeah remarkable human being um so take the stature of a professor dolores cahill and and look at her in your mind's eye and then take the little fetid turd in his basement who's tapping on his uh, and put him beside dolores cahill and then ask the question uh, is there any relevancy to what's being said i think it's the answer is self-evident It doesn't matter what the turd in a basement tapping on a screen thinks or says or does. That individual has zero relevancy in this world. That individual is the parasite. And therefore, you ought not to even give the parasite your attention because to place plasma or attention on the parasite is to give the parasite exactly what it wants. But that's not even the true... um, the, the, The Rubicon is connected to our intuition, our gut instinct, and what we know and what we read from the psionic intelligence. So that really must be our gauge moving forward. For me, I mean, it's so obvious to me. It's black and white. Um, I see the most disgusting and scurrilous things written about David Icke written about myself, written about Brian Gerrish, one of the names we mentioned earlier, a man who I know and have met multiple times and been on the mm-hmm. stage with. And I can tell you, he's an enlightened soul, a beautiful Christian he's man a great guy. who is great such guy. a courageous soul. Love him to death. Yeah, love him, love him to death. But and, uh, most of these uh, uh, truthers and speakers are just remarkable humans. And I, I see things on them, and I see things on myself come up and say, whoa, okay, that's a, that's a special kind of evil, that, that trolling, but it happens it happens,
0: yeah you know yeah and with regards to uh we've we spoke earlier we've got a quite a big scottish audience here and a, and a uk audience who will be watching this video do you have any connections with scotland have you been here have you got any any uh, relatives going back a long way in the past <laughs> okay <laughs> oh good
1: <question. laughs> i'm the clan so, so I, I am Scottish. Just so you know, I am Scottish. There's my, my dirty secret is out. I am not the son of Sir Patrick, or whatever they, 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 they saying I'm a Rockefeller. I wish to God I was. I, I would so know what to do with the money. But um, no, I'm, I'm Scottish, pressed Murray clan, and we hail from the Orkney Islands. And uh, I love my Scottish roots. Um, love them deeply.
0: Yeah. And have you ever had a chance to visit Scotland in your time over the years?
1: Of course. Of course. Good God. Good God. Multiple times. Yes, of course. Yeah.
0: Yeah, That that's good. Well, if you get a chance. I mean,
1: Loch Lomond generally is where I tend to settle around around that area is where I'm kind of happiest. But yeah, I love it. Absolutely love it.
0: Yeah. Well, listen, Sasha, I didn't want to keep you too long today because we had a wee chat before. And I know you've got another interview to to go to straight after this. Can I just say thank you for your time today. It's been an absolute pleasure to chat to you. And I wish you all the best with the remaining part of the tour. I know wherever you end up in the world, if Bali's not an option for you, I know wherever you are, you'll be in good company and you'll be well received by any country or state who uh, gets a chance to to have you there. Where where do you think you will end up then, if, if Bali's off? That's a, that's an unusual situation to be in. A, after 17 years, where where do you think you might end up?
1: I'm not planning on bailing, Bali. it's just that I don't, I've got a, bit, like a sort of very big operation there, so I have to remotely uh, continue to um, buoy up um, my, my operation, my staff and my home, my household and all the rest of it. But the point is this, uh, the, I, I know how these things play out, they can be, they can take years, I don't know how it's going to go, none of us yes. do. Um, I'm, thinking of, I'm thinking of going to El Salvador next week.
0: Okay. Well, listen, it's been an absolute pleasure. Good luck with the rest of your travels. Uh, You're doing some great work. You're bringing a lot of joy and hope to people, and it's very much appreciated what you do. So keep it up, Sasha, and thank you again for your time today.
1: Thank you, brother. Send me the link and we'll get it out. Much love to you.
0: All the very best.